This episode of Country Squire Radio is brought to you by Missouri Meerschaum. We thank them for supporting this show, and we thank you for supporting them. Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD! Hey, Bo. Good afternoon, man. Man, good afternoon to you too, sir. How's the weather over there? Did everything clear up? The No tropical storms? Everything's fine? Yeah, you know, we're, we're doing okay. We had a couple days of kind of heavy torrential rain, but it, it seemed like, you know, it passed on through pretty good. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're doing good. A couple slow days at the shop because when people are home battening down the hatches the last thing they really think about is sitting on their porch smoking their pipe but uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but we uh yeah made it through and, and doing fine man what's what's going on in uh in houston well we're uh we're winding down this uh this time i think i mentioned last week that the uh the kids of course are in your neck of the woods with the grandparents and so yeah um, that's right okay. it's been it's been so nice man me and uh, my wife have just really enjoyed the the time together without the interruption and, and all that that implies so it's been really wonderful <laughs> we've also <laughs> that's, actually that's great yeah man and we've also used the opportunity to really kind of, uh, you know, do, do some projects. You know, you move into a house, you get it fixed up, you get it settled. And then there's like those lingering things, you know, that you're going to get to at some point. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. without the kids running around, we, we went ahead and started knocking out some of those projects. So like, for example, in my office slash studio as it as it is at the house before it was just a big open door frame with no door. And so we actually installed over the course of several days because we're not the most handy people. Uh, but we installed a barn door, a like sliding barn door. Oh yeah, those are really popular right now. Yeah, that, yeah. that's cool. That's I like cool. it. I like it. It gives it gives a little character to for for me from the inside of the thing. Plus, once the kids are back, I'll be able to to shut out the cartoons, which is <laughs> pretty pretty. That's critical. great. We did some uh, some rearranging and stuff too. It's funny, um, you know, my wife and I got married a couple of years ago now, and um, you know, there's just some things that we haven't done, and, and we're really trying to kind of get our house, you know, more livable. It, it's been a dedicated thing of, of late had kind of neglected the um, the organization of my pipe collection and my tobacco cellar and all that kind of stuff. And so we moved some furniture around. I got a, a bookcase kind of dedicated for, uh, you know, most of my pipes, although not all of them will fit on there because they're just way too many. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I was able to kind of organize my cellar and uh, got me, a you know, a couple, you know, good uh, under the bed kind of storage cases to uh, to poke stuff. So they'll, uh, you know, they're tucked away and uh, hopefully the the child won't uh, you know discover him at too young of an age and and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's uh it, yeah, I know you finally get down the list on uh, knocking some of those projects out, and it feels good. It feels good. Well, no, you know, I gotta I gotta ask you because of course we are at that time of year. You know, uh, Father's Day is right around the corner. Uh, as this yeah. podcast goes live, it'll be. Uh, the weekend, uh, you know, we'll be going into the weekend of Father's Day. I mean, yeah. you know, in the pipe world, that seems to be like the you know, the essential Black Friday in and of itself, right? I mean, I'm wondering, yeah. uh, you know, with kind of, uh, you know, people are starting to kind of go back out and that sort of thing. But uh, how's how's business been? Like, are y'all seeing the regular Father's Day traffic or, or um, what, yeah, what's, what's some thoughts there? We have, we have started to see it pick up and, and you're right about that. Like, typically in the pipe world, we'll see... Uh, November, December—that's kind of a given, right? But then the the other highlights of the of the year are February, which is uh, International Pipe Smoking Day. Uh, huge bump then, lots of uh, activity, and uh, you know it's it's that you know kind of season where everybody's everybody's seeking uh, you know deals and promotions and all that kind of stuff. And then Father's Day, so the, those three uh, are kind of the trifecta, and they they make the whole pipe year uh, you know really exciting for the retailer because it's uh, you know it's a lot of ramping up for all this and then uh and then the winding down afterwards so um but but yeah we're starting to see it come around and um like most uh (laughs) like most holidays you know that are meant for uh you know getting gifts for for other people um you know a lot of times it it winds up being uh gifting something to yourself and so well yeah (laughs) (laughs) your infant daughter can't pick it out for you so therefore you're you're really doing her a service really (laughs) i really am I, i really am you know this is this is something that um you know I wouldn't want to put that kind of pressure on a nine month old, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's been, it's been neat to see folks, uh, kind of roll through and, um, you know, and, and interesting just with our, uh, society going through all the turmoil that we are, particularly the quarantining and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff The you know, tobacco intake for, you know, a lot of our folks has, has really gone up quite a bit. I mean, you're thinking like, okay, well, you know, you're stuck at home and you got your, 
family and you got the kids down finally for afternoon nap and you know you're not going to work and that kind of thing so man it's it's back out to the patio with the pipe and um, you know, newspaper, good cup of coffee, all that kind of stuff. And we've, we've seen that over and over just a lot of our regulars, uh, you know, even their intake has, uh, has kind of gone up a little bit. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, we feel like we're kind of, uh, doling out a little, little pinch of sanity, uh, you know, every, every tobacco <laughs> bowl that goes out of our shop. So anyway, we're, we're thankful to be just a small part of people, uh, making it through. <laughs> Well, awesome, man. Well, of course, you know, we've got uh, some amazing folks that are out there in, in the uh, in the pipe world that are uh, coming to the shop, maybe ordering online or, or just, you know, uh, having their own kind of little, uh, uh, their, their, their patio has become their smoking lounge. But I got to tell you, man, we have been uh, super encouraged throughout this time. We've mentioned that we've got these amazing supporters of the show through the Country Squire Radio International Pipe Club. And I, I, I am excited to share with you today a brand new member of the Country Squire Radio International Pipe Club. Someone who I, I believe gets the spirit of what is the shout out, the, the club member shout out that happens whenever a new club member comes along. Because ladies and gentlemen, joining us at the pilgrim level is Ishna Babablhubadu. Yes, that's that's their first name, and I didn't even write down their second name uh, because <laughs> literally, John David, their name is quote jumble of letters. Like that is their email address. <laughs> they they lit- but they had a second name. I feel like we're missing out. What if their second name is is the most is their favorite part of their name? Well, it's more of the same. But here's the deal, man. Like this is, uh, <laughs> the reason why I actually didn't include the last name is because you know in our in our club member cards, there's only so many like like characters that can go in and this oh one, he broke the mold or, or I, yeah or she broke the mold whoever whomever it is, it is. yeah well I, I think you know ishna bababel hubadu uh you know that seems very straightforward to me uh very pronounceable <laughs> um you know so i think it's got a nice a nice ring to it nice ishna bababel hubadu um you know th- this person obviously is uh, into pipe smoking and um, you know, supporting our, our fine establishment. So, so, you know, we need to do their name, uh, some justice. Okay. Uh, y- yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I will make a specialty card for Ishna Baba Hubadu. Again, Bless AKA <laughs> jumble of letters. That's what, that's what their name is. It's just jumble that's, of letters. Uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Get, joining at the pilgrim level, Ish, Ishna Babel Hubadu. That's, that's right. That's it, man. Clearly, yeah, clearly I, their actual name and not somebody who's just trying to remain anonymous. One way or the other, we do appreciate your support of the show. <laughs> and hey, if you want to help uh, support the show, head over to uh, patreon.com slash countrysquareradio to learn more there. These are the kind of people that that these are the kind of people that really make Country Squire Radio, uh, you know, who, who we are. Ishna Babel, you're the you're the heart and soul of what we're trying to accomplish every week, and we're uh, we're, we're eternally grateful for your uh, enthusiasm and uh, and comedic relief. What, what I love about this, Matt, is this is clearly, like I said, somebody who's probably trying to remain anonymous, but at the same time has done so in such a way that they are now going to add themselves to the lexicon of growing characters and lore that exist within this podcast. Seated, uh, yeah, seated up there with the various pappies that uh, have come on the show. Seated up there with Mark VV, who actually will be uh, 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 in a listener feedback later on in the program. Uh, yeah. Varge, the pipe pirate, who we haven't heard from in a while. Like you know, there's there's these these names that come up. These from characters that that are that are uh, you know, like you said, part of our lexicon. And and now I, I can't wait to get the new uh, round of quick fire questions from uh, from Ish, Ishna Babel. It's going to be wow. great. Okay, there you go. <laughs> All right, man. I am I'm super stoked for this uh, this week's episode um, because today we are doing something very different. I mean, you could argue that we've tried to do a, a similar show to what we're going to do uh, this week, but I feel like before we can even dive into it, I need to kind of set up kind of a, the the structure of what we're talking about, why we're talking about it, and how we're coming at it from this angle. Man, uh, but let me just tell you how excited Bo is right now. Like I'm he, super he's. Excited. He, he's he's giddy like he, he the prep for this episode has on his end been uh it, just at warp speed it's been uh it, it's been really exciting to watch so uh I, i'm i'm tickled man this will be fun 
It's going to be a good one. All right. So, you know, longtime listeners of this show, and, and for those that are actually new to the show, let me go ahead and educate you a little bit here. So we've got various series that we do over the course of Country Squire Radio that we kind of sprinkle in here and there. Uh, one of those series that we've done since uh, the earliest days of Country Squire Radio is what we call our Heroes of the Bowl series. This is where we generally take a pipe-smoking character from fiction and a pipe-smoking person from history, and we kind of do a little uh, deep dive into who they are. Um, which is something that we very much enjoy doing. Uh, this isn't technically that. That's not part of what we're doing today, but there's aspect of that that's going to go into what we're doing today. Another thing, another series that we do from time to time is called Pipe Culture, where we actually take a look at pipe smoking and the kind of culture that surrounds it, as well as the cultural influences that plays into it. And in many respects, this is kind of more similar to what we're doing today, but still not exactly the same. (laughs) There's one other thing I want to kind of point out, which is on the history of this program, we've had the opportunity to interview some really, really uh, amazing, talented people who just are also happen to be pipe smokers. We've had them on not because they work in the industry or because they're pipe carvers, but because they are artists or, uh, you know, they, they make swords or they're, they're musicians or, or whatever they may be. They might be authors. Uh, And they also smoke a pipe. So it's more of like, you know, kind of a showcasing of their work uh, of somebody who is a pipe smoker of note, or at least whose, uh, you know, art or work we've uh, enjoyed and and want to showcase. This is like that, except flipped on its head. Because today, (laughs) (laughs) because today we are taking a look at somebody who's not a pipe smoker, but whose work has done a lot in terms of kind of pipe culture as the whole. Uh, today we are talking about Wes Anderson and his body of work and specifically how he really kind of leans into the symbolism that surrounds the pipe. Uh, now don't worry, it's, it's going to be deeper than Ewoks. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We can only hope I'm I'm excited. (laughs) Well, and you know, just to make a little bit more of a, a deeper connection too, uh, you know, Wes Anderson is a is a film uh, as a, a writer, a director, uh, someone who has created a number of films, who has a very particular style, and it's also heavily influenced by a number of people's work. But most notably, for the purpose of this podcast, uh, Charles Schultz, who actually has been a hero of the bowl that we've featured before. Charles Schultz, yeah, Charles, Char- Charles Schultz, of course, the uh, the Charlie Brown cartoonist, correct? Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. In many respects, the nature of kind of like. You know, the, the old soul that you see represented in the kids and the Peanuts gang, uh, as well as even just like visual cues. Like, you know, you think about, uh, oh gosh, who was it? Was it Lucy that was writing a letter to Santa Claus? And so the, the words are typed out above her head. Uh, no, that wasn't Lucy. That was uh, uh, Charlie Brown's little sister. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't actually remember her name. So anyway, that was, uh, but yeah, that was actually Charlie Brown's little sister. So yes. Yeah, so uh, anyway, all these kind of uh, visual inspirations, Charles Schultz, uh, Wes Anderson is kind of noted as uh, one of his, uh, one of his inspirations. But like I mentioned, man, Wes Anderson is somebody who is instantly recognizable to those that are familiar with his art form. Uh, it is, it's so heavily, all of his works are so heavily stylized that it's, it's been kind of a point of parody for multiple uh, parody avenues. For example, Family Guy has done a Wes Anderson uh, uh, episode. SNL has done a hilarious uh, Wes Anderson horror film type of uh, trailer. Well, and and if you've listened to Country Squire Radio long enough, you're very well aware that I, I'm not really a movie guy. Like, I, you know, there are plenty of movies that everybody thinks are, you know, just the movies that you should have seen uh, by this point in your life that I, <laughs> right. I'm not even aware exist, right? But but Wes Anderson, you know, his movies, uh, when you when you walk away from them, and by the way, you know, several of them are, are kind of seen even as the some of the most significant productions since the since the turn of the century. I mean, we, we've gotten, uh, we think of the Royal Tenenbaum, and the uh, Grand Budapest Hotel and, um, you know, just a a lot of interesting work. They're all movies that when you view them, you walk away uh, kind of, kind of with a little, um, you know, feeling of mystique and lore, uh, and and scratching your head, but always, uh, always satisfied. It's it's uh, it, it's interesting, and he does have a, a, a distinct style that, um, you know, is easy to parody, like you said, because it's so uh, eccentric, you know, it, it, it eccentric and uh, and and just um, you know, the 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 way the uh, you know, visuals are shot, the color schemes that are used, all that is very, uh, it's just very distinctive. 
You know, so it's interesting that you mentioned this because, of course, you know, I would almost kind of define the various worlds he creates as like like these quirky hipster dream worlds. And like where where yeah. like I feel like a John David Cole lives in every single movie somewhere of, of Wes Anderson's. <laughs> and so it's kind of interesting because when I was thinking about this, it was actually I was uh, rewatching or uh, I was actually watching the Grand Budapest uh, Hotel the other day. And that's what really kind of thought I was thinking through this, you know, you see the kind of pipes all over the place. And I'm like thinking back to Wes Anderson films. I'm like, man, I mean, like, does he even have a, a movie where a pipe smoker doesn't pop up or at least some kind of smoking? Because that's really the thing is he really yeah. utilizes smoking as symbolism with all of his characters. But we'll get into that here in just a minute. But that was my big thought was like, there's got to be a John David Cole in every single one of these movies. Surely, surely John David has seen at least one of the movies. <laughs> or has he? Because that, 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 reveal that for me, because I don't, I actually don't I, know the answer. I, I have. I, ha- okay. I actually have seen a couple of these. I sure have. Yeah. Uh, the, the two I just mentioned. Um, yeah, I sure have. So, um, you know, really interesting. I mean, the um, they leave you, um, you know, kind of walking away with like, man, that was that was quirky and 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 different you know after after you experience them but um but yeah of course there's a john david cole in those movies because that's why they're 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 so entertaining <laughs> exactly exactly well the great thing is i know that you are a fan for example of family guys so you would if i knew if not the films you would have at least been familiar with some of the parodies i, I, <laughs> I have to make mention of one of them which is actually on youtube and it's uh somebody did a an uncanny x-men wes anderson's uncanny x-men and it's just, I, I really wish that it would become a thing because I think it's great. Give Wes Anderson the uh, the rights to the, to the X-Men film franchise and and uh, and then just, you know, take my money. <laughs> ben, another thing about Wes Anderson is uh, throughout all of his films, not only do you kind of get a sense of this kind of hipster, quirky dream world, but you also get uh, a lot of the usual fa- faces or voices as the case may be. So, for example, uh, Owen or Luke Wilson, uh, Bill Murray, you've got yeah. Jason Schwartzman. A lot of Bill Murray, yeah. You, you see him <laughs> see him pop up quite a bit. <laughs> man, he keeps Bill, Bill Bill Murray paid into his uh, into his silver years, man, for sure. You got William Defoe's also in there. Edward Norton, of course. You can't you can't have a Wes Anderson movie without Edward Norton popping up. Tilda Swinton, uh, man. There's a, a whole cast of of, of you know uh, kind of the usual suspects that he he pulls from. And to me, man, it almost kind of feels like if you think about. Uh, like theater troops or something of that nature, how you kind of have the same group of people coming together to do different performances. And even the way that a lot of times his movies are shot, you almost get kind of that, um, you know, kind of audience perspective. You do have that very Wes Anderson-esque pulling back of the stage to see this almost like, you know, dollhouse sliced in half look at all of the various rooms and corridors mm. and quadrants of, you know, the place that you're looking at. So almost as if you are in a stage. So that th- there is very much that theater troupe, that theater company uh, uh, approach to filmmaking that you see in a lot of different levels. Hmm. Hmm. All right. So as I mentioned, this is all kind of, you know, the reason why we're here is because of the pipe. And Wes Anderson, something that he does is he leans very heavily into symbolism, not just in terms of the pipe, but in terms of all of these different various props or visual cues that you see in all of his movies. And the pipe is certainly no different. Now, you can't talk just about the pipe in Wes Anderson films without really looking at how he views or rather uses smoking as an act or as a visual cue, uh, an act for the character and a visual cue for the audience. So starting, of course, with kind of cigarette smoking, because that you find pretty much throughout a lot of his films. Um, and there's a lot of commonalities, like what you would assume to understand about a cigarette smoker that you see on film in the modern era, you can kind of pick up pretty quickly. Generally speaking, if you see somebody in a Wes Anderson film smoking a cigarette, it means they're probably a pretty miserable human being or they're European. And then sometimes they're <laughs> miserable... <laughs> That's, a miserable European. <laughs> sometimes they're miserable European, but that's the thing. Sometimes there's a there's a hoity toitiness. You know, you think about the uh, holding your cigarette out to the side, if you would, and, and kind of turning your nose up, if you would. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you have there, uh, most of his characters it seem like have this uh, sophistication level, regardless of their socioeconomic status in the movie. They always. Uh, 
uh, have this kind of uh, high intelligence. Yeah, yeah. They are. They're they're smart. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they, and they kind of uh, you know smart and eccentric. You, you tend to see that, and uh, you know, and I think it's displayed in how they how they hold the cigarette, how they how they use the pipe. That's true, and so that's the thing. If you see somebody holding it in such a way, that typically communicates that. But then, like I said, there's that miserable chromogen nature of it. Like for example, you might have somebody who's uh, either and it doesn't necessarily have to be a villain. Sometimes it's a villain. Sometimes it's uh, more of a supporting character or something of that nature. But think of just that that chromudgeoned old, you know, scrunched up faced man with the cigarette that's not even straight, right? It's like all bendy and everything else, and they're kind of chewing <laughs> on it while they're working and and that sort of thing. And so there's 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 leaning into kind of those uh, symbolic nature of what you normally see. Now that is if they are an adult, as with most thing, West Anderson age plays a pretty heavy aspect into kind of the flipping of things. So for example, for a child that you might see, or, you know, somebody of course who's of age, but, but, but somebody who is a younger person smoking a cigarette, generally that is communicating a rebellious streak. They are misunderstood. They are an adult trapped in a child's body and they are just trying to get through until they can get to that next level, which would honestly probably make them into that miserable chromogen human being <laughs> that they're heading towards <laughs> potentially. Again, unless they're European, which seems to also be the case. <laughs> it, is, it does seem like a lot of his characters, you know, have the... Um, you know, if, if they're a kid, they are kind of beyond their years. And if they're, if they're an adult, they're kind of, they're kind of maybe more, um, childlike, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know. There's something uh, about that that you see. Yeah. That is a common theme throughout now. Okay. So that's cigarette smoke. So cigars, you don't see cigars as much in Wes Anderson films, but as you can imagine, this also kind of leans into the same thing that is generally communicated in terms of the symbolism of a character smoking a cigar. Uh, that, that sense of abundance, that sense of kind of, you know, fat cat, uh, wealthy, you know, I, 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 I go back to the word abundance, man. There is something about, you know, whereas kind of the cigarettes, kind of this little, you know, quick hit of nicotine or, or tobacco or what have you, the cigars, you know, that's the big wealth of leaves all wrapped together. You know, the, the concept of like, you know, I almost kind of think about, um, you know, burning money, you know, you have those caricatures or those like political cartoons or something of that nature where it's like the cigar is like a wad of money that's on fire. There are many, there are many of my customers' wives that would empathize with, you know, they understand when you're talking about burning money when buying a cigar that they would track that they're the ones right now raising the roof. Yeah. Well, and see, that's some, that's one of the tropes that you see about, you know, cigar smokers, especially in and cinema and Wes Anderson, of course, leans into that heavily. But ultimately, man, like I said, what we care about is pipe smoking. So pipe smoking in terms of film. Let me ask you, John David, when you think about when you see a character on screen and you see this is somebody who smokes a pipe without hearing anything, without listening to the music, without knowing anything else about the film other than seeing this person smoking a pipe, what would you assume about them uh, just in that moment? Um, well, obviously they're the smartest person in the room <laughs> and, uh, you know, they have, uh, maybe a, a, a skosh more sophistication than some of the other people. And, uh, you know, maybe have something interesting to say, uh, or a, uh, you know, life story that's worth, uh, worth exploring. And, and, you know, that person that, you know, we always talk about, you know, when you smoke a pipe, you're making a statement and, um, that, that person is not just idly smoking a pipe, right? If you particularly watching a movie, um, you, you know, they're going to use that as some kind of, uh, uh, some kind of item to, to draw you in and get you more uh, fixated on that character. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that por- that person is probably going to be pretty important. That's right, man. It's a visual cue that kind of communicates maturity or wisdom, uh, a fatherly nature to that character, perhaps, or even the very embodiment of domestic uh, life or domesticated life. And these different themes play out into a handful of his characters. We're going to do a little bit of a a mini dive into three particular characters in in three different Wes Anderson films here. Um, But, you know, I mentioned before the the concept of, you know, the the old soul, uh, somebody who is... Um, you know, the, 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 these children that are acting like adults while the adults around them are acting like children. You know, I, I have not actually seen Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, and so I, you know, I feel like I need to at least acknowledge this. Um, it, apparently one of the kids or the primary kid in that movie has a little corncob pipe that, uh, that I don't know that he actually smokes it, but I know that, that, you know, that is kind of part of his, uh, costume, if you will. Uh, 
And so, you know, again, like, you know, with that being the mindset here, without having seen the movie, just knowing that they've got this kid rolling around with the corncob pipe, to me, instantly communicates, okay, this dude is, you know, this is an old soul. This is somebody who's far more mature than the world around him. Uh, He's somebody that we need to kind of, you know, uh, keep an eye on because he's going to be the wisest of his peers, regardless of his stature or age. What what he what he says probably has some t- kind of importance to the, um, you know, to the the narrative of the movie. That's exactly right. So Sam Shkutsky, uh, if I'm saying that right, is is that I'm sure you're character? not. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, hey, <laughs> wouldn't be Country Squire Radio if I didn't butcher a name, right? Um, but of course, man, uh, like I said, there are three particular pipe smoking characters in this film that I want to kind of do a quick little dive into here, and the first is from the Grand Budapest Hotel, and that's the character of the young writer. Now, this is somebody, when we are introduced to the Grand Budapest Hotel, much like many of the other uh, Wes Anderson films, we are hearing a story within a story, or in this instance, it's actually the story, let me see if I can get this right, it is the story being read from the perspective of the author who heard the story in his younger age. Uh, from another person telling a story. So I think that's four, la- like like I, in, in terms of inception, we've gone all the way down <laughs> in terms of uh, <laughs> stories within stories. But the young writer is essentially uh, the narrator or the first narrator we're introduced to. Um, he's at the Grand Budapest Hotel. We see him, he's, you know, very comfortable. He's got the, uh, the, the, the turtle vest thing. You know, the thing where the, you know, your warm, what's it called? Tur- turtleneck. Turtleneck. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's got the turtleneck and he's got the tweed jacket. That's the other thing too, right? Like tweed and pipe <laughs> and pipe smoking uh, in terms of like- Just go film, hand in hand. They really do. We could almost do a, an episode on that, but we probably shouldn't. Uh, but that's the thing. We, we are introduced to the young writer. He is already smoking a pipe. He's, he's kind of taking in his surroundings and you can see something instantly that is happening here. And that is that we are being presented with that uh, wise character. Now, is he wise because he's smoking a pipe? Yes, but no. The reason why he is wise in the midst of everything going on is because he's not talking. He's observing, right? Hmm. He is the eyes through which we are actually seeing the story, or more accurately, he's the ears through which we are hearing the story. And I think that that is something something that really kind of speaks to using pipe smoking in film, and I think also that we can kind of all recognize with, is the act of pipe smoking causes you to have to kind of shut up and listen. And in the case of the young writer, that is his entire role throughout the film. Now, when he's older, that's not the case because he's telling the story. But when he's younger, he's listening to the story. And so I, I think I think that's part of that wisdom comes in that, that uh, knowing when to kind of be quiet and to listen and to kind of take in the story as it's being presented. So the young writer, he kind of represents that that wisdom. Uh, the next one, man, is Mr. Fox from the fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, now this is this this is a Wes Anderson film. I actually saw recently, relatively recently. I guess it was last year. And this is a stop stop motion film. Is that right? Yeah, Wes Anderson. He, he likes a stop motion. He likes a stop motion, man. Uh, this is a this is definitely uh, one that is you can just see the love and the care that was put into every single frame. Uh, it's actually based off of a real children's book. In fact, the reason why we even watched this movie is because on a road trip uh, last year, we we were listening to the Fantastic Mr. Fox uh, children's book, and I'm like, I think this is a, I think this is a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> and, and sure enough, it's it's based off of the the children's book of the same name. Uh, now, Mr. Fox, uh, th- this is a fantastic movie. It's really kind of the study, or or perhaps a, a commentary on. Uh, the way in which the world around you uh, forces you to be something that you're not, but even in that, there's beauty. So we have Mr. Fox, who's a wild animal, right? And he uh, he and his uh, wife, they have a child, and so he now needs to, you know, live a simple life. He has to go from stealing uh, stealing hens and stealing food to having more of a stable job as a writer. And in his new domesticated life, we see him kicking back with his friends and enjoying his pipe. He is the father figure of the story. He is that character who is sitting back on the, uh, you know, the, the nice uh, sofa chair or, or what have you and uh, with his feet up in the newspaper and uh, sipping his coffee and having his pipe. Like there's, there's a instant communication that's going on here, which is that classic domestic Americana uh, and to some extent, like I said, in the way 
in, in perhaps subtle ways, uh, maybe kind of a, you know, at first a fear factor or perhaps even the enemy of the story hmm. because Mr. Fox is, he, you know, comments a lot. He's, he's a wild animal. You know, this is, he's, he's trying to live a domestic life despite the fact that, you know, he, he wants to burgle. He wants to steal hens. He wants to go out and, and be wild and be free. And at the end, he kind of comes to terms with the reality. I mean, spoilers to some extent uh, that, you know, even though life has changed and he has had to change along with it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. He kind of makes a note to an apple that they're all looking at. And he talks about how the apple is not exactly ideal, but at least it has stars on it. And to some extent, maybe that's true of domestic life. Sometimes domestic life for the wild animal isn't ideal, but at least you get to enjoy your pipe. (laughs) So there you go. Mr. Fox, he kind of represents that, uh, you know, father figure, uh, domestic uh, figure. But, you know, I think when it comes down to how the pipe is really used to define the father type, the father-son relationship, uh, and then also kind of that wisdom and maturity and really just like just seeped through who the character is. You can look no further than Ned Plimpton from The Life Aquatic. Uh, Now, this is a character portrayed by Owen Wilson in that film. And he is actually the son of Bill Murray's character. Uh, He comes into uh, things kind of early on. I'm not going to spoil the movie or anything of that nature, but suffice to say, in, in the early moments of the film, he introduces himself as potentially Bill Murray's son. Uh, they don't know that this is the case. It's just one of those things. He never really knew who his father was, but he kind of pieced it together over time. And Bill Murray's like, oh yeah, I've heard of you. And he kind of decides to take him in under his wing. Now in one of their earliest scenes together, when they're kind of, you know, learning who each other is and Bill Murray's getting used to the idea that he's got this adult, you know, now, now adult child, um, and, and that he's got to be a father. He needs a moment. So he walks away and he rolls up, uh, not a tobacco cigarette, if you will, John David. (laughs) <laughs> not a tobacco cigarette not a tobacco cigarette it, he, he, no, it's, he, a, it's a le- it's a left-handed cigarette <laughs> he's, he's out here smoking the grass and so then he comes back and then he he takes his uh you know son off he takes ned off and they're you know chatting they're sharing some things about life he offers him a hit on his uh on his uh <clears throat> grass cigarettes I, I don't know you know what what we say here we're we're a show of uh i mean like at cannabis at this point is legal right I don't, what's, what's the situation in, in a lot of places, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So so there you go. Yeah, there's the smoke of the cannabis, the smoke of the weed. Uh, so, you know, he offers his son a hit of the weed. Uh, he takes a hit of it. And then he's and later on, he, he asks him, you know, hey, do you want to finish this off? And he said, no, I, I don't much care for gra- grass or something of that nature. And then he pulls out his pipe and he starts smoking hmm. his pipe. And what is communicated throughout their relationship, the pipe can, continues to come up. Ned is, uh, is a frequent pipe smoker throughout the movie, uh, is that, the son is really more the father than the father is really more of the son. We see as Bill Murray is getting made fun of by some of his peers that Ned is actually trying to talk him up. He's trying to care for him. He's like, you know, go get him boy. You know, that kind of thing. We also see Ned developing a relationship with a woman who's pregnant, who the father is out of the picture. And so he kind of starts to become this potential de facto father to this child that isn't his in a similar yet not exactly the same way that he is kind of developing this relationship with his own father who may or may not actually be his father. <laughs> uh, so th- there's a weird family dynamic that actually goes throughout the entire film. But one of the biggest like, you know, things for this particular character is that even though he is the son of the main uh, character, he is actually acting as more of the father. And I mean, man, that, that scene right there where the two men, one of them's up there smoking weed, the other one's up there smoking his pipe, tobacco pipe. Uh, I mean, like, it's, th- there's no more perfect visual communique of this exact narrative of the pipe representing fatherhood, wisdom, uh, mm. and, and maturity than, mm. uh, than this character and, and this uh, sequence in particular. So, mm. but that's Wes Anderson, man. That's what he does. He, he recognizes the way that pipes and really kind of cigars and cigarettes as well, but pipes in particular have been used as themes and he leans hard into them. So when I say that he has done much for pipe culture, he really has taken those themes that have you know, existed throughout and really fanned the flame in a big way. And I think that's a good thing. You know, I think there are some folks that when they talk or when we talk about pipe culture, they don't like the idea of us kind of putting it in, you know, kind of a, a compartmentalizing it or anything like that. And that's not necessarily something that we do, but at the yeah. same time, or not, not necessarily something we try to do, I should say. 
Yeah, uh, I, intentionally. Yeah, but at the same time, there are archetypes, themes, and symbols that exist within the pipe and media. And like I said, with when it comes to Wes Anderson, there's probably no better example of somebody who uh, really, really encompasses those, uses them. Uh, whether or not he is a pipe smoker himself, who knows? I could not find any evidence of it, but uh, he is certainly a fan of the symbol and uh, has certainly created several characters that have come to enjoy it as well. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's really neat to see that over the course of, you know, watching uh, the couple of movies that I have. And, um, you know, I, I think it, um, it obviously plays some type of role. It, it, it has meant something to him, whether he's been uh, a pipe smoker or not. He's certainly been exposed to it because of uh, of that. So it's um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a good a good observation. And um, there's a wealth of uh, wealth of talent that obviously he. Um, you know, paired with the pipe in order to communicate a lot of, uh, you know, main points in his, in his films. So um, well done, sir. Well done. Oh, thank you. I had a lot of fun with it. This was a, this was a really, uh, (laughs) it's a really good one. There's a lot of, you know, it's interesting because we've talked before about, you know, um, creators who themselves, you know, we don't know, or we haven't seen the evidence of them being pipe smokers, but at the same time, really kind of, you know, use the pipe in some form or fashion. And so, man, this is a, this was an exciting topic to, to uh, tackle. And I was glad to do it. Now I had to ask, I do have to ask you this because as I mentioned in uh, Moonrise Kingdom, there is actually a corncob pipe and this is actually the, the tiniest of corncob pipes. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the really kind of, you would imagine kind of like keychain esque, you know, you would almost see it on the big screen and think, Psh, something like that couldn't possibly exist. I mean, could you even imagine a high quality corncob pipe at that size? <laughs> and yet it exists and it is made by our friends at Missouri Meerschaum. What? <laughs> it is, man. The Missouri Meerschaum Mini, it's a beautiful, small little pocket pipe. And when we say small, it is tiny. Uh, it's so tiny, my infant daughter has one that she uh, that she plays with <laughs> regularly. <laughs> Clearly uh, an man, old soul a- in the making. An, an old soul in the making. That's right. Uh, it's a great little size bowl. The 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 width, the diameter of the uh, chamber is just wide enough for the uh, for the tamper of your pipe nail to go right down in there. And uh, you know, weighing only uh, you know twelve grams. This is a, a a great little pipe to tote around. Uh, good to share with friends. Nice little tasting pipe. Something that uh, you know you don't have to worry. Be too careful with if you uh, drop it in the sink or uh, you know whatever. It, uh, it it's it's easy to uh, easy to replace and very inexpensive and affordable um and you know one thing too wes anderson a lot of his movies they they had that kind of 1960s 1970s um aura about them the Mm, color palette mm -hmm. the color scheme and the you know you've got whole uh you know homes now that are decorated uh based after uh you know wes anderson kind of um, you know, pallets. It's kind of interesting. And the corncob pipe fits right into that. You know, it's just a really uh, kind of nice retro, nostalgic, uh, you know, very functional piece of uh, not just uh, smoking utensil, but but work of art. And, and, and the mini certainly counts as that too. So uh, check it out. You can get it from corncobpipe.com. Get it straight from the source or uh, at your favorite uh, pipe and cigar retailer. And hey, man, if you've got a mini, uh, definitely take yourself a uh, selfie when you are smoking it. Tweet it to us. We'd love to retweet it out to let the good folks at Missouri Marisham know we appreciate them for sponsoring this show. Pipe question of the week. Pipe question of the week this week coming in from Bill C. Uh, here's you go with the Bill C. He says, John, David, and Bo, I've got what is likely to be either a very odd or very dumb question. Recently, I was traveling through Florida and stopped at a local cigar shop to pick up a few sticks for the trip. While I was there, I noticed they had a few jars of pipe tobacco and something that had me scratching my head. It looked like an extremely long coiled cigar, but the guy there said it was pipe tobacco. To be honest, I didn't ask many questions because I didn't want to show my ignorance, but was this guy having me for a laugh or is this something they do in Florida? Uh, Being from the Northwest, I was admittedly out of my element. My guess is that it's some kind of cigar gone wrong situation, but again, I have no idea. Please help. Thanks for what you guys do. That is from Bill C. 
Man, it, it, well, you know, first of all, there are no stupid questions, just stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bill, great, great question. This is a question we get a lot of in our shop, actually, uh, because right there next to our hand-blended tobacco uh, behind our tobacco bar, uh, we have several jars of things that we, uh, you know, blend there in-house and recipes that predate uh, me even as a human. Um, and and yet we have these uh, long-coiled cigar-looking things that are that are in a jar there as well. And, uh, and and in our case, and probably what you saw, is twist tobacco. You probably saw twist tobacco. Uh, twist tobacco, uh, of course, uh, you know, the, the ones we primarily see today, if it's not homemade, uh, you know, the most popular ones come from Gaywith and Hogarth and Sam Gaywith. Uh, very popular, hard to get sometimes. Very powerful tobacco. This is very minimally processed leaf. And so uh, very strong, mostly, uh, you know, burly uh, based and and uh, it comes in this form. You can either cut it up and put it in your pipe, or you can chew on it. And uh, you know a lot of folks will do both. In the pipe world, we see uh, you know a lot of folks they'll take either a pocket knife or uh, a cigar cutter and and just you know kind of slice off a few slivers of this uh, tobacco, tear it up, and uh, a lot of times this this tobacco is kind of moist because of how it is. Uh, you know, uh, packaged and how, you know, just the, the nature of uh, tobacco leaves being twisted together that tightly and, and that minimally processed for so long, it's going to be kind of wet. So, uh, you know, after you uh, slice off a few pieces and kind of tear it into shreds, uh, a lot of folks will let it sit for a little bit uh, and to dry out, but uh, makes, a, makes a great bowl of tobacco, makes a strong bowl of tobacco, and uh, looks like something you might find, uh, find in the yard behind your uh, golden retriever. So... <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, but it's it's tasty stuff if you're uh, if you're a fan of powerful tobacco. So that's probably what you saw there would be my guess. Uh, we recently hired someone else at the shop. His name's Dominique uh, Johnson. He's a uh, really, really good guy, uh, late 20s, just a uh, super uh, sophisticated smoker, pipe and cigar guy. The, uh, he's worked at a couple other retailers here in town, but um, the pipe was his first love years ago. And um, and, and then he kind of got off in the, into the world of cigars and uh, just a really talented uh, you know, young kind of, uh, you know, aspiring tobacconist. And we were able to pick him up at the shop, but it, it was, it was funny, you know, I, I showed him the other day how to, uh, prepare and, uh, you know, pack his pipe, uh, with twist tobacco for the first time. And, um, and, and the whole, it was, it's funny because he, you know, he did it and he was enjoying the, the, the process, but Dominique, he was like, well, you, why does the room smell so bad? <laughs> and a lot of these twist tobaccos, they, uh, you know, they, they may taste good, but, um, the, you know, they have, uh, depending on what you're smoking, uh, a lot of them smell like burnt hair. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I know it's, uh, it's really funny. They, uh, it, you almost get that sense of like, uh, you know, someone left the steak on the, on the grill a little too long or something like that. But, um, but anyway, yeah. It, but, and having said that, if you come to the shop, uh, and if you are in our area, uh, man, please, please be sure to say hey to Dominique. Great guy. And, uh, and I think y'all, I, we're, we're very fortunate to have him at the Squire. You know, I think that we actually did an episode on twist tobacco a while back. Like I won't even say it was called like do the twist. That sounds like what I would have named. It. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for, for more on that also, uh, be sure to check that episode out as well. Yeah. My favorite part of this question is, and this is no, just, this is not a commentary on bill. This is more of a commentary on, on Florida, but he, he thought this was a Florida thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, you know, well, it's one of those things like you, you, whenever you go out of your comfort zone or out of your area, um, you, you know, you get kind of super sensitized to anything that's different and you start thinking like, well, we don't do that where I'm from. We don't do that where I'm from. And yeah, so, but I mean, you, like Florida, though. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It, what are the, what is it, God, God's waiting room? You know, I mean, you, you never know. They might be, uh, you, you just don't know what they're, uh, what they're trying to pull down there. It's like maybe this it's is, that this left-handed, what man smokes. Yeah. maybe it's that left-handed tobacco. Yeah. Like we talked about in the movies. Could be. Could be. <laughs> uh, all right, Bill. Great question. Hey, if you've got a pipe question, uh, whether, uh, whether you're concerned, if it's odd or dumb, send them on along to uh, uh, show at countrysquireradio.com. Again, that is show at countrysquireradio.com. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Quick fire with the squire. Quick fire questions. Ow! All right, man. Quick fire questions coming in from Pastor Joda. Yet another uh, another <laughs> name that is. Uh, Ooh, man. these are good. Too. Pastor Joda is wow. always great with the quick fire questions, man. Yeah. He's, he's on top of it. All right. Okay. Um, this I do I do think these are appropriate though because these are all car based uh, today. Uh, and and I am to cars what you are to movies. So we'll we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fair. You ready? Yep. All right. Classic Ford Shelby Cobra or Stingray Corvette? Uh, these are both hot vehicles. Now, let, let me just, you know, uh, kind of... Break it down for uh, me. Ch- chime in. No, no, no. I mean, l- l- let me chime in and also say I'm no I'm no like car enthusiast or whatever. But, man, that classic Shelby, um, I-, I don't know. The Corvettes are obviously iconic. But, um, man, there's something about those Shelbys that are uh, just really, really attractive. I- I'm going to have to go with that route. Okay. That, I'm, I'm kind of trying to... I, I, you know what? I'll go with what you said because I don't know any better. Uh, I think sting, Stingray or Cobra, I guess I'll go with the Stingray. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair. All right. IndyCar or NASCAR? And this one I actually do, like, the IndyCar is what, and you won't get this, but Iron Man was driving in, in the second Iron Man movie. <laughs> so I do actually have some differentiator here. I'm going to have to, you know, I people assume, like, okay, here I am. Uh, you know, terrible Southern accent from Mississippi. Obviously, the guy's going to say NASCAR. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not a NASCAR guy. You know, I've, I've got you know friends that are, and you know, I, I don't know if they just grew up you know having trouble with left turns or something. I, I don't. I don't know if that was a, a thing for them. I, I just. I never got into NASCAR. I, I don't know. For me, it's just not a uh, not a thing. I'll go with Indy. Uh, the, uh, you know, I think that's uh, uh, maybe maybe a little more fun. It's like the uh, I don't know. It's the it's the pipe to someone's cigarette, maybe. So uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with IndyCar. Interesting. Okay. Wow. What a comparison. Um, yeah. So so I in in car racing in general, man. I I as it's it's same same. It's never really appealed to me per se. I will say that um, I think actually uh, the Phantom Menace first made me realize the connection between uh you know NASCAR racing and like old school chariot racing and the Coliseum. You know what I mean? Like there's there's an odd tie there that I just never really made that connection before. And, you know, maybe I respect it a little bit more than I used to from, from once I, once I kind of saw it through that lens, but I will say this, if it comes to me driving, I feel like I would be much more confident driving a NASCAR, which seems more like a regular car than an Indy car, which seems more like a rocket ship. Uh, that's like <laughs> gliding on the ground. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with NASCAR for me. Okay. Okay. All right. Dodge Viper or Lamborghini Diablo. I Look, if I get a chance to own something called a Lamborghini, I'm going to own it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I can go down the street and buy a Dodge. Uh, and we are talking <laughs> about a Dodge Viper. Like, that. that's awesome. Um, you know, And but, I mean, I see freaking Durangos every day. Like, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I, the, we're going to go with Lamborghini. I mean, have you ever Googled Lamborghini? Um, you know, the stuff that you see, uh, you know, looks like it came out of a, 
uh, I don't know, one of the one of the great 1980s movies or something. I, I don't know. I just I, I'm gonna have to go that route. All right. So again, I'm looking at through the, this through the lens of uh, a superhero movies. The Lamborghini is what uh, I don't know if it was a Diablo, but I know it was a Lamborghini that Bruce Wayne was driving and. Uh, the, yeah. the Dark Knight films. So I'm going to go with Lamborghini. I, I will go with the car of Batman. Uh, <laughs> all right. The Grave Digger monster truck or Abrams tank? I assume uh, that's know. not J.J. Abrams. <laughs> no, that, that, is, that is an Abrams tank, which is, uh, you know, obviously uh, used by or was oh, used by the. That's, uh, a, that's a tank. That's a tank that, tank. That's a, that's a tank. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, you know, with the condition of the streets and our. Uh, neck of the woods here. I think the tank is probably pretty appropriate. Uh, so, I mean, the yeah, monster the truck's tank. got the shocks. The too. monster truck would be good too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with the tank. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with the monster truck just because you get speed. Although, you know, I don't know. I like you, the tank is always. Uh, that's such a weird. Comp- I would have uh, interesting pair <laughs> between these two. But yeah, yeah. If, if I'm riding on the streets of Jackson, that, that's that's a good that's a good lens to view it from. I'd probably go with the monster truck. It's got the shocks, and I actually do like the bounce, but I don't like the tear on the car. So yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll go with that. And then finally, uh, Pontiac Fiero or DeLorean? Uh, the, the DeLorean. Yeah, I, I just look no no um, you know offense to Pontiac lovers out there, but um, yeah, I, you know for for two guys that really are not particularly well equipped to answer a bunch of car questions. Um, and then you throw out uh, the DeLorean as an option. It just it, it's it's the it's the um, it's the ace of spades. There you go. I mean, to me, the DeLorean is the pipe the pipe of the car world, right? Like you're making a statement. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> excellent questions, Pastor Joda. He's got a couple more for us. Uh, some some more themes for the next few episodes here. And so uh, always love. Uh, coming through those. But hey, if you want to add uh, add your thoughts or add uh, some quick fire questions to us, be sure to send those in. Show at CountrySquireRadio.com. Again, that is show at CountrySquireRadio.com. Your thoughts, your comments. Listener feedback. Listener feedback coming in. Uh, let's see. This one is coming in from Dirk, who I believe is in Germany. Dirk, yeah, Dirk Heineman, man, a famous, uh, famous international pipe carving star and uh, and and swell of a guy, man. We we love Dirk. Yeah, man, what's he got to say? Rock star talking about a rock star in this email. Now, <laughs> recently, actually, I think it was last week, our desk pipe episodes our episode went out, and so uh, we we put out the call if anybody's actually been able to enjoy some desk pipes uh, yeah. to, to share their experience. So it's appropriate that we got somebody who. Uh, who's well-versed in, in the pipe world to be able to uh, to share with this. But he says, hey guys, I uh, hope you're doing fine. I enjoyed the episode about desk pipes. I smoked a desk pipe last year at a gathering with some guys from uh, Company Pipes. Both excellent pipe makers. You should check them out if you haven't yet. Uh, and he actually sent us a link to their site, uh, co-pipes.de. So that's co-pipes. I, I assumed it was Company Pipes, but it might just be co-pipes. Yeah, www.co-pipes.de. So check out their work there. He says, yep. we sat at a campfire when suddenly Mimo, the world famous briar cutter showed up. <laughs> Man, you know that Mimo is like, like he's getting that, he's got that rock star status. I mean, like granted, he already had kind of some of that rock star status, but now he's got that super status after Father of the Flame. <laughs> after Father of the Flame, he does, man. Yeah. He sure does. Is that he came back, uh, he came from the uh, trading show. With him, he brought a huge piece of briar in which he had drilled several tobacco chambers and calabash bowls. It was meant as some sort of friendship pipe or so. Uh, it smoked great, but not very practical uh, to smoke through. Uh, he says, please excuse the bad quality of the photos, because he did send us a couple of photos of, of this, um, this, this desk pipe. He says it was dark and there might uh, or might not have been a lot of alcohol involved. He says, keep up the great work, guys. Hopefully see you next year in Chicago or maybe in Germany one day. Greetings from the old world. Take care and stay safe. Again, that is from Dirk at Heinemann Pipes. And uh, yeah, yeah, so just to kind of describe the pictures he sent in, because he's right. they were It was kind of dark and fuzzy, but you could kind of make <laughs> out this giant like piece of briar with these holes cut into it and these tubes being connected to it as you know, I guess as Mimo intended, which is to be kind of like a friendship pipe. So you're all kind of well, enjoying. 
the same pipe. Again, yeah, that's right. I mean, as we talked about, the inspiration is not lost on someone when uh, when they look at the hookah, right, and and how it uh, kind of breeds this community and the uh, combination of folks uh, smoking uh, the same tobacco from the same uh, contraption. And he said, you know, it's uh, uh, it, let's see, how did Dirk put it? Um, you know, it smoked uh, smoked great, but not very practical to smoke. And, right, and I think right. that's you know <laughs> that that's kind of the that's kind of the point, right? That, that's kind of the you know the 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 nuts and bolts of your uh, your table pipe is uh, you know it, fun to smoke, smokes great. It's it's just not some, something you're going to smoke every day. It's a it's an oddity that uh, you know the <laughs> when one of the world's most famous pipe carvers is in the woods at a campfire, and the <laughs> and and the world's most famous uh, briar harvester walks up uh, unannounced, they're going to smoke a pipe like that. <laughs> what, a, what a story, too! Like, man, that's 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 classic. That's great. That's man. it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Dirk, thanks for writing in, man. It's good to hear from you. Absolutely. We also got one in from Jay Freedy. What did Jay have to say? Yeah, uh, Jay Freedy. Hey, guys, hope you're staying cool in this way too early heat wave in the South. Uh, please allow me to geek out a bit. Bo, on last week's episode, after Roger's comments on breaking up esoterica into smaller amounts, you talked about your cigar-smoking friend from church who wanted to try some quality pipe tobacco. I heartily, heartily agree with your suggestion of Frogmorton Cellar, uh, also my favorite. However, when you mentioned that he found a tin for $100, you quickly dismissed it uh, such pricing as nostalgic. I actually disagree. I don't think $100 for a 100-gram tin of Frogmorton Cellar is as outrageous as it may initially sound. Put on your cigar hat for a minute, and let's step into that paradigm. From this perspective, it doesn't seem that crazy at all. Let's do the math. The typical bowl of pipe tobacco is usually around 3 grams. That means that you should get around 33 bowls from a 100-gram tin of tobacco. Therefore, a $100 tin equals $3 a bowl. Now tell me where you can buy a top-shelf cigar for $3. Both the cigar and the pipe will typically smoke around 45 minutes to an hour. The value is still significantly better smoking the $100 tin of Frogmorton Cellar than the equivalent in cigars. So, uh... Let's see. So your cigar smoking friend should grab that hundred dollar tin and save some money. Life's all about perspective, and that's from Jay Freedy. Jay Freedy, you're you're preaching the good news, baby. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right, all right, hang on. I feel I got I gotta address this. Come on, man. All right. So so obviously Jay Freedy is a, a longtime listener and a friend of the show. Uh, and no, uh, yeah. I so you're not wrong. Nostalgic is probably the wrong word to use. Um, however, I do defend my position on this. Because I'm not like if if somebody is kind of an established pipe smoker, sure you can make the you can make the argument for that price point, and as you very clearly have. But I was looking at it specifically through the lens of somebody who's kind of stepping into it and kind of getting uh, getting their bearings a little bit. When you're kind of trying to establish your palate, try to figure out what you like, what you don't like, you know, I I don't know that you need to jump in at that price point off the bat. Um, I not I but again I wasn't trying to say that frog morton wasn't quality enough to justify the price and i do understand the breakdown you did a lot of math here and i i appreciate that there's there's, <laughs> there's a you know, there's a lot of fair points being made but i still stand by it when you do have those kind of high price points especially for somebody who is a newer pipe smoker that can be off-putting and also you're going in completely blind because you don't have access to be able to sample it to know exactly what you like or don't like beforehand so uh, fortunately, I was able to actually share with him some of my Frogmorton sellers. So uh, now he's, he's you know got that perspective to kind of make uh, the decision if he wants to, to go down that route in the future. But one way or the other, yeah. So Jay's right, but I wasn't wrong, especially <laughs> from the lens and from the standpoint of a, of a newer pipe smoker. I stand I, by I that. think... I think as a pipe, I, I love I love what he's saying here. I mean, I, I agree with you. I know exactly kind of where you're coming from, Bo. But uh, you know what he's saying here as a pipe uh, enthusiast, as someone that really wants to spread the you know the the you know hobby and um, you know that's what we do um, and and have really made a commitment to do uh, in our business. Um, you know, he, he's getting to the, you know, to the crux of this, right? Like you can, you can spend $8 on two ounces of tobacco and that, that is a bunch of smokes, you know, I mean that, that, that might be 10 or 12, you know, smokes, whereas you can spend $12 on a really crummy, you know, uh, 
Spartacus, and and that and that thing is gonna, you know, it it, it might last you, uh, you know, forty five minutes or an hour, and it's gone. <laughs> it's just gone. And and you know, people do it all the time. And I, um, you know, have smoked. Uh, $12 cigars that have just ruined my palate for, uh, for the entire day, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, and if you're smoking a pipe, you know, and, and you've spent, uh, even, you know, 15, 20 bucks on a tin, even if it's a, that, that high, you know, the amount uh, per bowl is just, uh, just so minuscule compared to, uh, to the cigar world. We've got folks that come in the shop that, uh, will spend, you know, 30, 40, $50 on a cigar and, uh, and, and in, in a blink of an eye, it's gone. And, uh, man, with the pipe, you, it's it's so much of an experience. So um, yeah, I, I think that's part of it. The, the, I always tell new pipe smokers when they kind of balk at the price of a pipe. I always tell them that the expense in pipe smoking is up front. Um, you know the, uh, the 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 expense in pipe smoking is always up front. You've got to buy your instrument. You have to buy your your tool. Uh, but once you do that, the the tobacco itself is really inexpensive. It's it's really affordable uh, compared to to the cigar world. So you don't have to have a cutter or or even a good lighter for a cigar. Uh, but a good cigar, you know, may cost you eight, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty dollars. And and uh, you know before you know it, you you f- you know feel guilty because uh, you know that that you know has equaled you know taking your wife out three times for dinner or something so <laughs> i don't know it's uh there's something really economical about pipe smoking and I, I love it all right well there you go i mean i i I don't disagree i certainly don't disagree and i will say this i will feel more comfortable dropping a hundred dollars for the time <laughs> uh, I, I can't remember if i shared this you know recently our um you know, a lot of folks got their, uh, you know, federal stimulus checks or whatever, you know, and, and obviously, you know, there were some folks that really needed that in order to make ends meet, right? And, you know, we, um, and, and my wife and I used them for some, um, you know, we had some projects we wanted to do, some savings uh, stuff and, um, you know, some specific needs that we needed met. But um, but then we were like, well, you know, this doesn't happen very often. And, and we are, you know, if, if the intent of this law was for us to stimulate the economy, well, we need to go buy something really stupid. There you go. <laughs> and so we, we took $150 and we went down to our local uh, our local wine store, the package store next to the next to the Squire. And I bought a $150 bottle of, uh, of Plump Jack Cabernet. And, you know, it's like it, Whoa. $150 bottle of wine. Um, you know, that's four glasses. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm not uh, the math guy. Let's see, uh, 150 divided by four. That's, you know, $37.50 a glass. Um, you know, is that kind of the Frogmorton cellar experience of wine? Uh, kind of, I guess, you know, 150 bucks for, for a bottle of wine that's gone in uh, a couple hours. But really, it's a lot worse than that. <laughs> but right. um you know, it's uh, it's one of those things. Hey, you know, if you're if you're into wine and that's something you've come to love and appreciate, and, and you want to say, hey, you know, I've, I've tried tried a really good one that scores really highly, and this is, uh, you know, what can stand out as a really uh, excellent um, specimen of Cabernet or whatever, uh, you know, then you, you you might splurge that once in a lifetime kind of thing to do. And so, you know, if you are a newer pipe smoker and and you've been at it for a while and you really have gotten into it and you particularly like uh, English blends or uh, hybrid, you know, uh, English aromatics, uh, crossover blends, and that's kind of a thing of yours, and you want a, you know, historically relevant, uh, you know, a, you know, specimen of that, that, that is a shining example of maybe the pinnacle even of that, uh, of, of that genre of tobacco, at least for some people, um, you know, it may be worth spending a hundred dollars, you know, but, but again, you know, if you're the, if you're the new pipe smoker, you know, you just picked up your, uh, you know, your first briar and, uh, you know, you got your one Q and you're, you know, you're rocking some BCA and may have, uh, you know, picked up some, uh, multi dolce or something from Sutliff. Uh, this is probably not your next 10 if, if that's kind of where you're at in the, uh, uh, in the experience, but you know, if you're if you're a you know real enthusiast that's gotten into it and uh, want to appreciate it for for one time in your life, and it might be that one thing that you don't don't ever get to do again. I, I don't imagine ever buying another hundred fifty dollar bottle of wine again. I can tell you that, but um, you know, it might be worth it just to say you did it and and to smoke something that um, you know is really really. Uh, kind of valuable for the pipe world. So just my two cents. That's good. I, you know, honestly, I think that this, this even the concept of whether or not, you know, like, like putting together a list of like the most high end pipe tobaccos and kind of gauging 
uh, whether or not they're worth it. Almost like a an opposite of the hamster cage or something of that nature might be uh, might be a topic for a future episode. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed diving into some Wes Anderson. And hey, I'm sure people will have some thoughts on this episode. You can keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow me. I'm at the real Bo York. I'm at John David Cole, or you can get us at the shop at at underscore Country Squire. Of course, the show's handle is at Squire Radio, but all that information and more can be found at CountrySquireRadio.com. Well, John David, let me go ahead and uh, wish you a very uh, early and enthusiastic Happy Father's Day heading into this weekend. Yeah, it's my first one, man. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah should be good. My, well, my, <laughs> I can't wait to uh, can't wait to receive that uh, really fancy pipe that my nine month old daughter bought me. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. Well, I hope it's a great one. And uh, hey. Let's go have a day. See you, brother. You're heading the airport, right? Yep. Thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep. I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow. That's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 